Welcome to Americana Quill, writer, writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend to like and subscribe. Today I am here with none other than Jesse Cray Creighton, who is having her own podcast eventually. I think probably by the time this comes out, it will be out and about. Name your podcast real quick before we go into our new episodes, Jesse. It's a mouthful. Lovecraft. <laughs> it's called Everyone's Entitled to My Opinion. Uh, it's right. just an opinion about, it's just a podcast about what I took, you know, what I want to talk about, what I'm interested in, and I'm interested in Lovecraft Country. <laughs> and that is what we are discussing today. Great way of putting me back in. So thank you so much. So episode six is called Meet Me in Dagu or Degu. It's directed by Helen Shaver, who I think Jesse has a fun fact that she. Um. It's, you know, something that hits close to home since I'm from Amityville, but Helen, uh, she directed the Amityville Horror House 1979 version. There's a million versions of uh, Amityville Horror Story. Um, but, and she's also did the series Poltergeist. Um, I personally have never seen the Poltergeist thing. I have seen the Amityville Horror movie. Same um, here. But I'm excited because, you know, learning that, you know, connecting to it is all about it. And it was a very good episode, you know. Right. And the teleplay is from Misha Green and Kevin Lou or Lau, which um, I think is a pretty cool name, Kevin Lau, yeah. L-A-U. <laughs> so episode six, the synopsis is, in 1949, South Korea, Jia studies to be a nurse and lives with her mother, who demands she picked up men to have sex with. Jia brings home a man and kills him with her tentacle-like nine tails that project out of her that projects out of her body. Excuse me. It is revealed that Jia is possessed by a Kamiho, the nine-tailed fox spirit, <laughs> and she must kill a hundred men to be human. Her stepfather was raping her, and the mother had a Shiman sent the Kamihu to possess her daughter to kill him. In the 1950s, the Korean War begins, and Jia works as a nurse to smoke out a communist spy. The American arrests the nurse, and Atticus executes one of the nurses. Jia's friend, Yang Jia, reveals herself to be the spy. Jia decides to seduce Atticus with the intention of killing him but falls in love with him instead. Jia believes she can't control her tails, but while having sex with Atticus, her tails emerge and attack him. She has a vision of his future and tells him he will die if he returns to America. Atticus ends the relationship. Jia and her mother consult the shaman, who tells them that Mary, that many, that many more will die. Here's my botch writing. I mean reading. I apologize, but it is what it is. Thanks. So for me, what was interesting was that they went back in time about five, four or five years before. Um, we're at the presence of like the 1955 time of where they're dealing with things now. So we go back in time and the opening scene is, is, is a delight because it's just G.I. in a movie theater watching an old Julie Garland film. And there was two other people in the film, um, well, sitting down watching the film and they were making out whatever and then they decide to leave. And then that leaves G.I. in the, in the, uh, in the theater by herself, and then she gets up and starts to perform the, the musical dance that Julie Garland was doing. So I thought that was pretty cool and different to start off a scene because 
first, you don't realize why she's even there. Yeah. You just remember her voice from the phone call in the previous episode. Um, I thought it was a very good opening scene to see how back then American culture, you know, was very interesting to other, you know, countries and right. how much it helped them get through a time that wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. You know, a torn, a torn nation is, is hard to live through, you know, when everybody's fighting and it was, I think every girl when they're that age and they're trying to find themselves loves to go and think of a beautiful, you know, romantic movie to live their life because that's how everybody is. It's with princesses growing up on Disney. You know, you right. think you grow up and marry a prince. Not everybody does somebody, you know, not everybody's lucky like me. Um, <laughs> it, it was a good episode of choosing who you want to be instead of what others think that they want you to be. Right. And making decisions for yourself. And it was a good uh, say it again. How do you say the girl's name? Jaha? Jia, I say. Jaya. I don't know. Yeah. Um she's just a she's just a vessel, you know. Right. And she's the vessel of a monster, the Nine Tails. The first time I ever heard of Nine Tails was on Naruto. So to hear a different version of it. Oh, you see, I don't even know the history of anything called Nine Tails. So, you see, I guess that is an Asian influence thing. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but for her, like, the mother summons her to, you know, to take care of the father that was, you know, molesting her daughter. And she just thought that that was her kid and it's just a vessel. And the fight between the mother and daughter the whole episode is literally how it should like how it is in real life where the mm. mother expects more of you but you're fighting it because you're at that age where you're trying to rebel well not only fighting it you're making me kill people that never even harmed me right because yeah. you wanted to give me a spell instead of you just kicking him out yeah or you are you doing it yourself but the whole point of the the nine tails is when they're summoned you have to kill 99 men that have hurt women okay so that was the whole point of it. And she's like, but he didn't hurt me. He hurt you. Talking about the daughter. And, you know, with the nine tails, they have sex. And then she absorbs their, their life. Their soul. Yeah. And it's like a movie. So to me, her loving the movie theaters and then, you know, the nine tails is putting a movie in her, you know, brain. It just was, it was perfect in, you know, the tying it together. But she literally said to the mother, I'm not your daughter. I'm just the memories of what your husband, you know, what your husband did to your daughter. She sang that song because it comforted her when he was raping her. And with the whole thing with Tick coming in and Tick following orders, you know, when you're a soldier, you sign up for that. You don't have no choice but to follow orders or you look like a spy. And that's the difference between you know, a monster that's following orders and a monster that's summoned to do something, but they don't want to follow their destiny. And that's right. kind of what she was fighting the whole episode. Well, to me, their connection before they, before we know anything really about um, Gia and we only find out that the connection is the pain of their parents and what their parents have done to affect their lives. Mm-hmm. So with, with um, with Tick, it's Montrose and like his lack of love and showing it the right way. 
for Gia is more of her not the mom not stepping in to even avoid that situation and just letting it happen for as long as she knew this. She said she always knew this was happening. Yeah. So it's like the the pain of the of the kids towards the parents. It's like the the common thread of where their love I think kind of starts. And with the love of books. So what happens is after Tick and his unit um, finds out who the spy is, six to seven months later from 1949, that was 1950, yeah. um, Tick is hurt somehow. And now he's in like a, a school nurse hospital or whatever. And he's being healed up by who other than Gia. And that's kind of where the relationship starts with the love of a book that he asked her to read because his glasses are broken. So he can't read the book. Yeah. And she um, tries to tell him the story, but the story was of the film. It wasn't of the book. Yeah. And it was so that's kind of like how they talk about it and kind of like start their conversation slowly but surely that way. Yeah. Um, and also with that, with you, what you just said is it was she sought him out because he killed, you know, her best friend who was the mm -hmm. spy. And basically... Um, she she wanted to kill him, but then the book, you know, brought them together, which, you know, it's always good, you know, when something stops you from killing someone. Mm -hmm. And she felt something for him, which she never felt before. And she's been with 98 other guys, you know, like, right. and she's like, everybody's version of monster is different. Right. And even when, like, there was a scene where, you know, G.I. was talking to Tick and another man that he was Korean. And she basically said, like, to Tick, like, why would you fight for a country that doesn't even think that you're a human? Like, doesn't even give you a full right. And he said, I've seen so much bad in my life that I wanted to get away. You know, right. a, little, a little bit away from where I was living. Out here, well, not, only, not only that, is, oh, you talking about the Asian guy or? No, 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 I'm talking about Tick. Well, also the books, right? He said he got tired of reading about these places in the world and not, you know, not being able to see it. So he, he thought this would be a little different. That's yeah. all. Then when the Korean guy said something, the Korean guy said, you know, when I go to America, I'm a foreigner. And then when I come here, I'm a foreigner, you know? Uh, no, no, when he's there, he's called something, uh, something of not a value or whatever in America. Yeah. Then there, he's still a foreigner. So like, what does it matter? He's a... But that's how a lot of people are. Like, even me, I don't, I'm Puerto Rican, but I don't speak Spanish. So people will look at me and go, how are you really Spanish? Because you don't speak, you know, Spanish. You're right. Well, same here. My mom's Panamanian. She speaks Spanish. I don't. But, like, that doesn't change my descendants of where yeah. they come from. But that's the way that people were thinking, you know. Right. And that's how, ugh, not to drift off, but that's how it was in the movie Love, like, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And... Like to say something like that, where it was, you know, if you don't speak something or you weren't born, you know, if you were born in Korea but you were raised in America, they believe you're American, not Korean. Right. American no. Korean, I should say. Right. Um, but hold on. Before they killed her friend, um, she found out that her best friend was a communist spy. And she's like, but what you, you know, think is wrong. And she's like, but it's not, though. You know, just because they say it's wrong doesn't mean that it's wrong. And right. she had a quote that says, there's nothing wrong with being different. What's wrong is all of them vilifying us for it. 
we're all the same, we're all human. And I think for what she was saying there and in that time, I think it perfectly fit into stuff. Right. We're all human, but, you know, everyone has their own beliefs, but some of them, you know, belong in the 1945. Right. You know. Yeah, I got you. We all are human and, you know, we all have our right to believe. What we should want to believe. No, absolutely. Not what we're brainwashed to believe. So, I guess we could go into favorite scenes, although we kind of gave a backdrop of some things we enjoyed in the scene, at the show, or the episode, I should say, even to be more um, proper. My favorite scene is when Tick and G.I. are talking outside on the bench, because that's kind of like the first time you see them yeah. slightly put their guards down, but not all the way. Well, he has his guard down, because he doesn't know what he did wrong to her, yeah. but she isn't necessarily having her guards down yet. Where she explains that he's not free in America and express the love of books and different things like that. And uh, there's stories, right? Because her, her love for Julie Garland is very synonymous with what's going on in her life. But we'll talk yeah. about that, I guess, a little later. But yeah. So that was my favorite scene is them talking on the bench. It kind of, it's like you seeing like love at first sight kind of vibes. And I thought that was pretty cool to see in such a, a film like this or a show like this because. They went back in time, although it's part of the story, they didn't have to necessarily bring this up for you to know the rest of the story, in my opinion. It was kind of like a throwaway episode in a way, but like much needed because it was rooted in like the history of Tech and and G.I. Yeah. Um, My favorite episode is when uh, G.I. shows up for her date with Tech. And you know them speaking. Your favorite scene or favorite episode? This is your favorite episode? Scene, scene, sorry, scene. Okay, I just want to make sure from the episode is okay. when she shows up for her date and there, you know, she has no idea what's going on. She has to trust this man, you know, and she walks into the tent and he set up like a, like a little date, like a movie night and everything. Like it was so thoughtful for mm-hmm. him, especially just meeting her. And I think that's another thing that he was so thoughtful and kind and he was a great listener and talker that, that's why the love for her, love for him grew. Right. And it just- oh, that, it, was, that was a very, very nice scene too. And then he was like, I'm a virgin. And she's like, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just like gently, you know, controlled herself. Like that, that's really what it's about is like, you know, learning to control yourself and to choose your destiny. Like right. I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not going to do this. And I have to work extra hard at control because this is what I want, not what anyone else wants. Right. And my favorite, so I guess we should talk about which our favorite performers were. And my favorite performer or actor in the in this film was in this episode, I should say, is Gia. Because she brought a level of like sensitivity. I felt I felt she had provided more depth to like what Tick's story is. And from that, you sort of like the flow of the story as now you know which voice is episode five. So that kind of connects that. Um, she looks at American movies as like a whimsical thing, like a very like, oh, this American must be so amazing. And But when you hear the stories that Tick might have told her or, you, or the Asian guy, you, she realizes, oh, it's not all it's made out to be. It's not like the movies I see from Julie Garland. And to me, um, that was very good for me to, for her to see that like the grass isn't necessarily green on that side either. Like there's still things that aren't fair there too. 
Um, no, I agree with that. That's she's my favorite per, uh, performance and you know act, actress from this episode because you know, like what I said earlier, it was monster versus monster, and you know not every monster is born bad. Not every monster is bad. Some monsters just are following the rule, like following the orders that they're giving, right. and it's all about growing and she grew. She said, I was following orders to do what makes my mom happy. And now I'm going to do what makes me happy. Right. And when at the end of the episode, um, she goes to see the lady that summons her and you know, the voiceover that's speaking just what's going through her life. And that was, a, that was very poignant and amazing. Do you have that? Cause I don't have that. Um, no, but it's basically, it was a recording from Judy Julie Garland. Garland, right? Yeah, Judy Garland's memoirs where she was going to write it, but then she mm -hmm. unfortunately passed away, so she didn't get to finish it. But they had that one specific clip, and it was everything that she was going through growing up as a child. Right. Um, and not everybody understands that, but I said it to Bridgen earlier before we started speaking that if there's a connection that could be made for you guys to understand, Britney Spears is like that for my generation and being a child superstar and being controlled by your parents, even when you're over 18, because they have the records of everything and the masters, you could hear it in Britney Spears' music growing up that she was depressed. She wasn't happy no matter how much she was making or how much people were screaming her names and everything. And it, it's about choosing to be happy and making your own decisions and not what people are expecting you to be. Right. No, I totally get that. Um, what spoke to you most about this episode? Um, what spoke to me is that love conquers all. And no matter what you're destined to be, your it's your choice. You have to choose. You have to take ownership of the choices you make. And Gia definitely was trying to ignore everybody else that's her, you know, family to save Tick. Right. And even like watching it over again, it just was, it was like four or five pages of notes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. This was like the, the, the episode of like child abuse, right? Julie Garland's abuse was like with drugs and being forced to do yeah. things in Hollywood that she didn't want to do. Giaz was like being molested as, as a young kid. Mm. And Tick is being like hit by his father like for no reason so like the different various of abuses of abuse. by, uh, from children so i thought that was kind of the tie thread for the episode which was interesting that um gia and um julie garland has so much they try to bring so much in common because it's kind of like the yeah the shedding of the, the things light. that they were going through yeah shedding everything to like bring that stuff to light it was like amazing to me and that shows like great storytelling because it's not easy to make those dots unless you like really do your research. So you can tell like someone really took their time to understand the life of Julie Garland and then try to write a character such as G.I. to like follow through and like yeah. make these points connect. It says basically Tick and uh, Jahar had more similarity, similar, similarities than differences. They felt like they were trapped in their respective environments. Very true. I like also what Jiha said to her mother where she said... Um, he sought you out. He picked you because you had right. a single daughter. You were not worthy. He specifically picked you because of your daughter and knew you weren't going to do anything to stop it. 
Right, based on called their week. Like, yeah. And the nine tails in this is called a kamuho. Kamiho. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, that was a crazy scene though when um when the tails came out for tick. Oh yeah. And like he was like nervous. Like, and you see he was scared because she was truthful with him. She read him the whole story of what it is. And then when it happened to him, he didn't want to accept it. He didn't want he was like, whoa. <laughs> Which, you know, I would be the same way. That's a lot. Um yeah. but it just it was a good in anime they call it a filler episode um but it wasn't a it was a filler episode but it wasn't a filler episode because it gave you a lot of backstory that will help you because right before i saw the whole season i felt like i was confused even up to this time right in most cases it would be a filler but this was filling in some blanks of the the backstory of Tick and why these things were important to him and why he's so why he believes in these things so much and not just ignoring it, like, oh, whatever about the book. Like, no, he knows something is real out there because he, he saw it for himself when <laughs> when um, G.I. did that to him by accident. Yeah. Although she held two of them back, I guess the ones that would kill him. So he yep. got to see everything else, though, which was crazy. She was, like, grabbing it because <laughs> she didn't want him to take it. But right. she saw, like, everything from young to old and saw the future and that's why she was really like don't go home don't go home don't go home and it was the end of it was the last episode that he figured out what the words were right Mm -hmm. where he figured out that they spelled out die um but yeah yeah that was crazy and i think that's when he ran to the phone as soon as he saw that because he knew who could decipher that Um, what is my episode? Oh, I already gave my quote for the episode already. Yeah, that's pretty much my favorite sci-fi as well. That moment. Yeah, I um, thought that it was a very good sci-fi episode right. for that. Like, it was good. Like, I really, my takeaway for episode six really is the softness of Tick mixed with, like, the hardest he had to do to, like, be a part of the military. Yeah. And to be the, to, to survive the war and the disrespect from others was still there because they were only allowed to bring Asian people into the military if they were comforting, mm. which like, she she was like, that's not me, so why am I here? And like, the guy didn't say much because I guess he knew that it was going to be a romantic moment, but he didn't want to yeah. say it for everyone else. And then for a chick to like, like you said, set up the tent and everything for the movie and the film, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I also thought that, um, I thought that women weren't allowed on the weren't allowed on the base back then. I think it was only for, like, those type of things. I don't think they were allowed for, like, anything else. No, because I remember... I can't say because every movie is different, but I remember watching movies with my grandfather, and the women would be standing outside of the, you know, on the base and standing outside trying to get the attention, you know, to meet all, you know. I I think that might have been, like, Vietnam, but, like, I think the Korean War was a little different. Yeah. Hmm. but either way like you know just like the the disrespect and just that alone right it's like yeah y'all only allow prostitutes on the base like y'all don't allow just regular women that might want to just go out on a date or anything there's like then they gotta wait at right there for someone else to come get them yeah so yeah 
So I think that's it for episode six. Is there any other takeaways you want to talk about before we close this one out? Um, oh, no. I The episode was very good, but it's it's getting me more excited because it's we're almost ready to talk about episode seven. <laughs> True. If I had to rate this episode, um, I think it was it's my favorite episode because it gave so much backstory and I really enjoyed Gia and Tick's like romance that didn't feel forced. It felt like it was like meant to happen. Yeah. So I give this like a four point eight because it just gives enough backstory for me to understand different nuances of Tick, which helped me understand episodes one through five much better after getting this episode. Oh no, I I'll agree with you on that. That it was a four and a half. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone for listening to our Lovecraft Country series with Jesse Creighton and myself. So thank you guys for doing, um, just sticking in here with us. And we appreciate it. This has been Americana Quill, Writer to Writer. Take care, guys.